Welcome to AUSA's Army Matters Podcast, focusing on what's important to the total Army community. We bring vital Army conversations and interviews on issues relevant to soldiers, military families, and all of you amazing Army supporters. Rotating each week, our show includes Soldier Today, Army Real Talk, Family Voices, and Thought Leaders. Let's tune into the show. Hello, everyone. I'm Sergeant Major of the Army retired Dan Daly, and welcome to this edition of Soldier Today podcast, part of AUSA's Army Matters podcast series. Soldier Today podcast is a product of the Non-Commissioned Officer and Soldier Program Directorate at the Association of the United States Army. Soldier Today subjects focus on those topics that are relevant and needed by our soldiers and their families serving the regular Army, the Army National Guard, and the Army Reserve. During this episode of Soldier Today, we re-explore the topic of health and fitness. Recently, there's been a lot of work done in the Army to improve overall soldier health and fitness. We've had several guests on the show discussing the Army's efforts to improve soldier fitness through programs such as H2F, Holistic Health and Fitness. Previously, our discussions have been centered around physical fitness and nutrition, but another component of H2F is mental fitness. The brain compared to the rest of the human body is perhaps the least studied and understood part of the human anatomy, but it's arguably the most important. So why don't we focus more on keeping our brains healthy? A lot of research has gone into this question. Here to speak to us today about this subject is Dr. Daniel T. Johnston. Dr. Johnston is a leader in preventive health, brain performance optimization, and human resilience. He has served as a physician and researcher in the U.S. Army from the Pentagon to Iraq. Lieutenant Colonel retired Daniel T. Johnston is board certified by the American Board of Preventive Medicine and retired in June of 2018 after 20 years of Army active service. He served in the U.S. Army in a variety of clinical, research, operational, and educational assignments. He was the first to conduct a nutritional intervention study in Iraq, leading to a peer-reviewed publication demonstrating the massive epidemic of fatty acid deficiencies in the U.S., particularly young people. He was also one of the few to hold both the Navy and Army flight surgeon badges. Dr. Johnson is a leader in assessing quantifying and improving dietary cellular and brain health and performance, and recently co-founded BrainSpan. Dr. Johnson, welcome, and thanks for joining us on Soldier Today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and looking forward to hopefully sharing some tenets that I've learned over the years that can be of value to your listeners. So thank you. Well, I know our listeners enjoy it. I'll have to say that you're probably the most formally educated individual we've ever had on Soldier Today, and we're going to have to really take our notch up a little bit here to get to your level, doctor. But I know our listeners are going to be excited to hear what you have to say. I'm not so sure about that. And sometimes education is overrated anyways. Well, I know that they're going to enjoy our show. So let's jump right in. You know, we have a tradition here at Soldier Today podcast, and I thought we began as we always do here on Soldier Today by getting to know our guest. Dr. Johnston, could you share with us a little bit about yourself? Where did you grow up? and Why did you decide to become a soldier and a doctor? For me, yeah, I grew up in a small town in California. I had three sisters, a dad who was gone a lot, working all the time. And I kind of focused in on two areas, academics and sports. And I was good at those things. The problem was I never really learned how to organize my life. <laughs> you know, I had this love of learning. I liked to do new things. I was good at maybe even setting some goals. But in terms of really executing where my life was going, it was like ADD. I think I had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, and I think a lot of us entrepreneurs tend to be a little bit ADD anyways. 
we're fascinated by everything and we want to find solutions to everything. So I was a bit all over the place. And when I was in college, I really found that love of learning kind of channeled me into biology and then later into looking at the brain for reasons, because I think it's one of the greatest puzzles that we can attempt to even solve. But when I was there in college, and yes, I loved learning, but then I really realized I needed something else. I needed to be a part of something that was bigger than myself, bigger than what it was I was actually going to be doing. Whether consciously or unconsciously, I think smart enough to realize that's really good for us, you know, as individuals. I would argue that the Army, although it doesn't sell itself as this, is probably one of the most premier ways if you want to build brain health and brain resilience in people. It provides sort of all the right ingredients. Well, maybe not nutrition, but we'll get into that later. But a lot of the other things in terms of learning new things, challenging yourself. So I kind of gravitated towards that structure that I knew I just needed. And that led me to accepting a scholarship offer from the Army. It's called a health profession scholarship. And the idea of also not going into six-figure debt, plus they were going to pay me to go to school. I was like, how good can this be? You know, I get all these benefits plus the financial benefits. So that's kind of how I ended up in that capacity. And by the way, I also, not only was I a little ADD, I had this like terrible fear of public speaking. The fact that I'm even here now speaking with you is only because of the army. (laughs) But, you know, that was the kind of thing that was stretching me. And so I really started to see this fascination and kind of understanding human resilience, what makes us tick, what makes us fear things, what makes us perform well. And the army was great for that. Fortunately, over 20 years, looking at brain health in Iraq, in combat, looking at the role of nutrition, something that I could have never done otherwise. I know we'll probably talk about that, but just my own experiences from Korea to Iraq to the Pentagon, White House, I just came to see the army and the brain as just this really fascinating, almost connection between each other for me personally. And then that love of that just sort of fueled my interest after the army. I wanted to give back to the American public sort of my gratitude for what the Army had done. I think we can all do that in different ways. Fortunately, the Army equipped me to do that through the opportunities it gave me. But uh, I promised a lot of the soldiers in Iraq that were volunteering for my study, they made me promise that if I ever get out and we find something with this study, that I would make it available to everyone else. And I said, yes, definitely. So it's kind of living out that promise as well. Dr. Johnson, thanks for laying that out for us. Incredible story. And I just wanted to highlight on a couple of things before we get into talking about the work you've done, because that's really what we're here to talk about today. You know, I just want to focus on the soldier aspect of it. You just demonstrate how people have incredible opportunities in the Army. You know, you went to school, you didn't think you'd be a soldier, and then someone came up and said, hey, we can help you become a doctor. And that financial help, I can assure you, was probably well received. <laughs> I just put a student through school to be an aerospace engineer, and it's not cheap. It also outlines the thing I used to say all the time and still say to this day is that the Army's got so many incredible opportunities for everybody. I used to say infantry to astronaut. Of course, you're much closer to the astronaut than I was because I was infantry, but that's (laughs) the scale of opportunity that's out there for potential soldiers. So thanks for sharing that story, Doc. And I have to apologize. I will call Dr. Johnson Doc. That is a form of ultimate respect of us infantry soldiers on the battlefield because the person you want by your side in a very rapid manner in case something bad happens is Doc. So everybody in the infantry world calls our doctors Doc. So Doc, sorry, I don't mean to offend you. Just want to let our listeners know that's a pretty common tradition in the Army. And it's in as a privilege to hear it. It's not offensive <laughs> at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, Doc. So let's just jump right in here. Brain health, okay? It's a subject you don't hear about every day. And you mentioned that. Why is that? 
I think that the brain has become sort of the forgotten organ that's actually now, because of that, is kind of coming to haunt us a bit. A lot of emphasis over the decades on physical fitness. And yes, in the last decade or so, we've seen more emphasis on things like resilience. But sometimes those get a little bit difficult to measure and difficult for soldiers to get their minds around. So we know that the brain is just the most amazing structure in the universe. So that right there kind of scares me, right? That means I probably can't understand it, just like I can't understand a supernova, you know? But that actually shouldn't be the case. I think that even learning a little bit in the right context, in the right way, can be extremely equipping and powerful. And this structure that has 80 billion neurons in the average adult brain, 100 trillion connections in the average adult. And if we just kind of peel back the onion, even one layer, I think we can begin to uncover some really powerful truths all the way down to the private just coming in the army can be extremely worthwhile and empowering. And then we also begin to understand, you know, why is it when our mood is maybe failing us or we don't feel like our mood is what it should be or our energy level or our memory, we can begin to understand maybe what some of the ingredients to that might be, especially under stress or certain circumstances, maybe provided the right context for us to experience things that we don't like, which then we could do something about. So I think, I guess in the end, the brain scares us. We instinctively also know that I think it's who we are, right? I mean, your brain is what you decide to do with your life, who you decided to marry, you know, what you decided to study. Did you decide to get out of the army, stay in the army? Did you decide to make wise choices? This morning when you got up, what did you choose to eat for breakfast? Did you choose to work out yesterday? All those choices really come down to brain health. So it all starts with the brain. And if we just take a little bit of ownership, it will take amazing care of us and really help us provide the quality of life that we all want. The last point I'll make is that I think the rest of the healthcare system is somewhat uh, maybe a, a part of this issue. Like you said, we don't hear about it every day. And we certainly, when we go to the doctors, don't hear about it, right? We hear about our eyesight. We hear about our teeth and how many cavities that we have, <laughs> our blood pressure readings. You know, we get all these things sort of routinely checked, even at a young age. But how many of us remember going in and just saying, hey, I just want to check on your brain real quick, and we're going to do a quick test and just give you an idea of where you stand. But that's absurd because we can do that now. So why aren't we, right? And we're not necessarily trying to diagnose somebody with a brain problem. We're simply trying to diagnose the function of it and where do they stand compared to what we would expect. That's extremely powerful, but it's neglected in healthcare because it's not diagnostic. And I think that's part of the problem. Yeah, I would tell you, I'd be the first one to openly and publicly admit that it is a little scary, you know, as being a soldier from the time you're a little baby, that mother protects the head because it's the most important thing. And people understand that, but they're a little afraid of it. And we're going to talk about this a little later in the podcast, but even when Dr. Johnson sent me a kit to assess my brain, I was a little nervous and hesitant to do it. He had to push me a little bit, say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And uh, I'm glad he did because, well, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I would agree. But I assume that most people, doctor, and I'm sure you would agree, people understand that the brain is a key component to healthy living. Yet we tend not to focus on it as much as we do the physical and nutrition aspects of what you just described, Right. So what's the common myth about your profession or field that you want to debunk? Get people to change their mind. Hmm. I think if I could get people to get one thing listening to this, it's to look at things like high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, 
arthritis, coronary artery disease, and even a lot of what we call cognitive decline or problems with our brain as we age. You know, these are all labeled diseases, right? They actually have like a code in the medical community that when you go in civilian or military, they have a book that they have to use for insurance billing and whether it's TRICARE or not. And so that means they have codes. So they're diagnostic conditions. That's kind of like the end state of the mission, if you will. It's like, yep, this was the result of the mission. But I think that's really part of the problem is that we need to view those things really as symptoms. So most of all the common chronic diseases, a huge consistent theme throughout is this cellular problem. When we get to the point where we have disease, it all started in the cell. So really, if we found that as the end point, like some kind of cellular problem, like nutritional problem in the cells, which is very, very common and fuels all that inflammation and chronic disease, then I think we have a chance at actually getting and preventing those things and treating the actual cause of them versus just labeling the symptom, the heart disease or the dementia, the depression. What if we're just labeling symptoms? I really think we are. So I think that's one of the biggest myths is reversing what we consider a disease versus a symptom. So I think that will also enable us to sort of also destigmatize things like depression. And I mean, we'll look at things like depression as like we do an ankle sprain, right? Because it can, you know, or arthritis in our knees. And that's the way people should look at it, because a lot of depression is inflammation in the brain driven by dietary causes and maybe some sleep deprivation and stress. Just like your arthritis acts up probably when you don't sleep very well and you're not eating right, you notice your knees hurt you more. Well, your brain just has a different way of letting you know that. Maybe it's you forgot where you put your keys when you came home or you had to think about somebody's name a little bit longer than you normally would. So I think that changing the paradigm of disease and symptom will help us get to the actual problem of really what now threatens the entire United States healthcare system, which is brain disease, something that we can't do anything about because the only answer is prevention. I can understand. I think our listeners would probably appreciate, too, the fact that, like you mentioned, if your legs hurt or you have a cold or something, doc can go in there and they can fix you. But it's probably not that easy with the brain. And that's what makes it difficult and probably creates some of those myths around there. But we know more about the brain than we have ever known in the past. So before we get into more of the brain, because I want the folks that are going to stay with us after the break to learn more about that, I want to ask you a few more questions for some of our shoulder listeners out there, too. A journey to becoming a doctor. I'm told, obviously, it's quite long. What's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? <laughs> you know, we tend to elevate doctors in our society, and to a lot of times, rightfully so. I mean, they will hold our lives in their hands if we're going in for surgery. And certainly, if we were unfortunate enough to undergo some serious trauma, they saved our lives, right? So there is sort of this esteemed position that a medical doctor has and enjoys in our society. But with that, I think we need to be careful in sort of discerning between that role and what we haven't been good at, which is empowering you to make decisions and do things that are going to really prevent the need for me and my services. I mean, maybe an unfortunate trauma or injury, yes, but the majority of other conditions and chronic diseases, they're not so good at equipping us, right? Filling our rucksack with the tools that we need so that we're not returning back to base one mile away from the fob 
only to find ourselves still empty-handed when we leave. So I think that that is one of the biggest things I've learned is that we need to learn that doctors, some of them may pretend to know everything, right? But if we're really honest with ourselves, we really know actually very little about things like the brain. And we should be honest about what we know, what we don't know, and be open to new things that may actually eliminate the need for me. A couple more before we jump into the brain aspect of this again. As a leader, I've always tried to learn from mistakes, both mine and the mistakes of others. What's your biggest failure and what'd you learn from it? This might sound a little cliche, but I think trying to do too much in too little time, you know, especially if you tend to be a thinker and you like problem solving, that can also lend itself to over analysis and sort of paralysis with analysis, as I've heard it say, or another one is the enemy of good is perfect. And so I tend to also be a bit of a perfectionist. And what happens is you don't get the mission done. And that's even true in business. I mean, the only reason I'm here today and have a company after retired in 18, and we have 2,000 doctors, 30,000 or so people who have done our test, all with great success. And the only reason is it's not me. It's because of the experiences that the Army gave me. So I think that really understanding how to execute when to spend time analyzing, and then when to step outside the box and execute the mission. And that makes a difference between most entrepreneurs that succeed and most that don't succeed. And it also, I think, is true in the mission and on the battlefield. Early on, that just took me a long, and I still am learning. You know, I still get caught up in analyzing things, even in the company, way too much, slowing the progress down when what we had was good enough. Well, thanks again, doctor. And I know our listeners are waiting patiently for this podcast to hear about how it is they keep their brains healthy. We're going to get to that in just a moment after you hear from our sponsor. Join AUSA, the Army's premier professional association and host of the largest land power exposition in the United States. AUSA is open to everyone, including all ranks and components. So whether you have a relationship with the U.S. Army or simply want to honor those who serve, you can learn more at ausa.org slash join. So we'll get into it now. Brainspan. What is Brainspan? Now, you co-founded this company. And before I did this podcast, Dr. Johnson offered me an opportunity to take this brain test. But before we get into that, I'm going to ask, what is Brainspan? Tell our listeners. Well, Brainspan offers a simple solution to inform you about the health of your brain and does so in a way that reflects the health of all the cells in your body. It's a gateway into understanding the health of your cells and where your brain sits in terms of its function today, and then what to do to improve its resilience to decline in the future in a very easy to understand format. So we look at things like lifestyle and nutrition and uh, factors that you control, not things that somebody read in a research paper once, but things that you do every day that you can easily keep doing, or maybe new things that are easy to do, or things that are easy to remove because you just didn't know that, well, I didn't realize that going one night without sleep produces amyloid plaques in my brain, which is precursor for dementia. Things like that, we just really help people understand what are the factors. And to be honest, just understanding where they stand compared to what's expected, which is an age-based analysis, is so powerful because a lot of people think that the brain that they have today is the brain they're always going to have. So even if you score low, that's not a bad thing because now you see the potential that you have that you didn't even know could be unlocked. And so we help people unlock that. 
And I mentioned in the opening that you did research while you were on active duty. Did Brainspan stem from this research? Is that what helped you create this idea? Yeah, totally. Um, at the time, this is before I was even working with General Cornum at Comprehensive Soldier Fitness. You know, at that point, the Army was seeing a lot of the consequences or sequela from multiple years now in and out of the Middle East, in and out of combat. And there were lots of things that were showing us that, you know, these are ways that we can decrease these things by changing the level of resilience that somebody brings to the battlefield. And so when I got orders to deploy and I thought, well, huh, this might be a great opportunity to study something that I had heard might be a really important factor in the public as well as in the military, which is this massive problem with our fat levels. We're getting the wrong levels of fats in our foods compared to what our brains over the last three million years required has been removed and it should scare us all to death. And so I wanted to study that more and I did. And we found very astounding sort of association between these fatty acids in the blood that we all can change very easily and your level of performance. So that was a really empowering moment where not only was I proud that we had found something that we could help soldiers and their families, and then later moved me into wanting to share that same story and equipping people out in the public who at the end of the day, make all of our jobs possible. Absolutely. Doctor, if you could give them an idea of the simplicity of this. So Dr. Johnson sent me a brain test. Now he didn't bring me in and hook some mm -hmm. crazy helmet up to my head or a drill hole through my skull or anything. It's not that hard. It's not that complex. And again, I was scared. I was a little hesitant. What was going to be the outcome of this? Maybe there's some things about my brain I didn't want to know. But I can tell you, I shared with Dr. Johnson is that both my parents suffer from severe dementia. And I lost my father to that. And that's when he encouraged me to do this. He said, because you may be on a path to that direction. Or if you are, we could probably do some things to help you correct it. So, Dr. Johnson, tell them, how does it work? So, to dispel some of the fear that I had when you asked me if I was yeah. going to take a brain test, <laughs> yeah. how simple it is. Yeah, it's almost like you felt like I was going to be coming down there and giving you a colonoscopy or something. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I'm an infantry guy. You start talking about my brain. I'm like, hey, I put a helmet around it my whole life just so nobody would touch it. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> And unfortunately, the brain still rattles around the skull, even when you got a helmet on. So, but no, so there is a finger stick is what it's called that basically provides us the blood that individuals can do from home. It's FDA clear to do at home on your own. And you don't even see it. You don't see the needle or anything. It's a piece of plastic and you just set it up against your finger and it has a little spring in there and you just push gently and you hear a little click. And then you see a couple droplets of blood start to form and you just put that on a piece of paper and you mail that to our lab. And then there is where we do a full analysis, not so much of what's floating around in your blood, but actually we get about 5 million red blood cells in an average blood spot. So it's almost like a cellular biopsy that you gave us just because of a little prick in your finger. And then we analyze those cells for the fat content, fatty acids in the membrane of this cell, which... The membrane is how you get a signal from one thing to the other, just like a radio does. And so it really is the most important, right? Without communication on the battlefield, we're dead. Same thing is true in the body. So we look at the fatty acids in the membrane and through that. And then that takes less time than it does for me to explain it. It takes like a couple of minutes to do, right? And then when you're done, then you take on your computer, you have immediate access to a about 15, what, 20 minutes cognitive function test. It's a very well-validated instrument. It's been used in over 400 peer-reviewed studies. And the blood work we do has over 120 now peer-reviewed studies on this technique of looking at fatty acids. And it's the most reliable way to measure fatty acids. There's a lot of other ways to measure them that are not reliable. 
So then what we do is combine that into one report. So we're showing you the function of your brain, memory, speed, attention, flexibility through that 20 minute online test. And then about two weeks later, when the blood work comes in, we produce this report that then provides you all that information about the function of your brain, the cellular fatty acids. And we now know after doing 30,000 of these that they are very tightly associated. And when people change them, we have the average brain function, executive function, all those processes together is improving 33% between test one and test two out of 30,000 people. We take into effect what's called the practice effect and all that. And they are changing their diet so that their fatty acids are changing over 50% improvement. So this 50% improvement correlates with a 30% brain function improvement. And so when people see that connection, it's just an aha moment, really. So that's what we do is just provide the person information. Hey, if you start getting more omega-3 fatty acids, less omega-6 fatty acids, look for these kinds of eggs in the grocery store, look for this kind of chicken, this kind of beef. Fat is okay, but just knowing what to get in the right amounts. And if you need supplementation, we'll also give you guidance on what supplements and what to look for. There's a lot of misleading supplements on the market. And then people act on it. And then we see the effect. So, and we're looking forward to seeing those results in you, Sergeant Major, because we've only done one test. Well, I know. And our listeners are trying trying to figure out, waiting for when we're going to reveal those results. We're not going to do that today on the show. But what I We'll do test two. We've got to do a part two where we go over your results. Maybe the improvement, because I have some areas to improve. But here's what I can tell you. This is not a subscription, sir. This isn't trying to get you to buy anything from Dr. Jones. But I was intrigued about the results. And I even sent my director a note immediately after I said I just spent an hour and a half with the doctor. I got a free consult out of the deal, too, which was really good. But what I learned was some of the things I thought I was doing right and my previous doctors have told me to do, I was following, but maybe not in the right direction. I'll give you one example just real quick is that the doctor talked about omega-3 fatty acids. One of the best places to get those naturally is from oily fish. And I eat a lot of fish. And I said, well, doctor, my numbers aren't right because that's I eat fish all the time. And he said, what kind of fish are you eating? And I said, well, I like the halibuts and things like that. He goes, well, you got to take a look at the chart. And he showed me this chart about the different fishes and the different levels of omega-3s that you can get of those. So even though I thought I was eating healthy, there's a healthier way for my brain in my diet. Now, back to uh, the show versus I don't know our listeners don't want to hear about my brain health. Thereof. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or lack thereof. That's right. You know, if our listeners want to learn more about BrainSpan, how do they find out about it? Yeah, well, they can just go to Brainspan.com. If they go to Brainspan.com slash AUSA, we actually have a special for all AUSA members where they get $40 off all their tests, not just the first one anyone buys. And then we also are going to give 10% of all the sales from that back to AUSA to the scholarship program so other people can maybe get a scholarship just like I took advantage of. So kind of a way, I guess, for me to give back. So they can go there to buy the product. And from there, they can also launch back to the main website. And there's all kinds of information on there. We actually have a center on there for support or learn on the main page. There's a lot of articles there. If you're just interested, like maybe you just want to learn more about omega-3s. And you've kind of heard about fish oil. Maybe you're taking fish oil, but you don't really know if it's working. That's a lot of people taking fish oil and they might be wasting their money because maybe most people need it, but a lot of the fish oil on the market is not good quality. So the oils are just, they're wasting and we don't want you doing that. There are good ones and 
we don't have any financial benefits in those companies, but we can at least help direct you to those kinds of solutions so you're not wasting money. But you can just go there and learn about that stuff before you buy anything, just so you kind of like see, well, do I really need this? Because we want you to feel from the beginning and then help you develop habits. I mean, a lot of this is about habit tracking and habit stacking so we can get you to make some smart choices each and every day that with some of the habit tracking and stuff, if you want to take part of that, it's life changing. It'll get you to change something like simple that you do every day just by linking it with something else that you do, for example. So anyways, there's lots of lots of great information. We're here to help you out. And if none of that works, just email us, dan at brainspan.com or support at brainspan.com if I don't answer right away. And we'll get you whatever you need. Thanks, Doc. What's the one key takeaway? If you have one thing to say to our guests out there that you want them to walk away with knowing more about their brain or an understanding or an awareness, what would that be? I would say that it would be just a piece of advice that realize that 60% of your calories today, they really come from three sources, wheat, corn, and rice, right? And that's because of a sort of a food paradigm, food model that has been totally debunked now, but it still is out there. Many of you probably listening grew up on, you know, got to eat six to 11 servings of foods and grains a day. And it's just wrong. And the problem with that is it really sets you up for failure in the brain health. So if you do nothing else, realize that we eat way too many sources from wheat, corn, and rice and eat more avocados, blueberries, and wild salmon. And yes, you should get tested, excuse me, but if nothing else, if you just eat less wheat, corn, and rice, eat more salmon, blueberries, and avocados, you'll be well on your way to at least taking some initial steps to really taking care of your brain for the long term. So I'm forecasting a pandemic thing going on here. You know, when all the toilet paper was gone during COVID-19. Now there's going to be no avocados, blueberries, or salmon on the shelves for months after this podcast, Doctor. If, well, we can help you with that, too. Uh, I'm a big fan of mail direct delivery service at very affordable prices nowadays. So, like, I think there's a lot of competition in that space now. So we've got to be thankful, I guess, in that regard. Absolutely. Doc, just a couple more before we close for today. You know, leadership is important. And I always like to talk about it and include it in our show. And I have a favorite quote. It's by General Omar Bradley. And it says, leadership's intangible. And therefore, no weapon ever designed can replace it. I'm also told you have a favorite quote. What is it? So and this is a personal one for me. And it's because of how my life has been shaped. But it's from Albert Einstein, who says, learning is experience. Everything else is just information. I love that because I've been guilty of just getting caught up in information and interesting information even and, and even stimulating information. But it's the experiences that we have. And thankfully, the experiences that the Army provided me around some of the greatest people I've ever known and their mentorship and also just sort of serving as examples, that experience that really makes the difference. Everyone has access to information. Not everyone has access to the brain health experiences that the Army provides. And I think that quote for me sums up sort of like why that is so crucial. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate it. Doc, unfortunately, our time has come to a close here for our Soldier Today episode. Is there any final thoughts you'd like to give our listeners? The brain is complicated, yes, but it doesn't have to be complicated in terms of our relationship with it. So keep it simple. Learn to love your brain, care for it like you would, you know, what is it that you really care about, whether it's your golf clubs or your car and you're out there cleaning and polishing it. Take that same approach to your brain because at the end of the day, 
We know now that dementia starts decades before the symptoms arise. So by the time you're age 50, you already have amyloid plaques in your brain, even if you don't have symptoms. So if you learn to love your brain like you do maybe some of the other things in your life, maybe it's your spouse, love your brain just as much because you'll love everything else that much as well. Your whole life will be better and it'll be better for a longer period of time, especially young people. That's an especially important because they're the ones that are going to be living to now they're saying that most millennials live to age 90. And we know that 50% of everyone at age 85 will have dementia. That's one in two. So right now, one in two listeners on the call will have dementia at age 85. And that's something we could do something about. We can make a huge dent in that. That would be my one piece of advice. Love your brain. Take care of it. It'll take care of you. Now you got me scared again, Doc. See, that's the scared thing that I was talking about. One and two, but that makes me scared enough to figure out how to take care of my brain better because I've watched the habit in my family. Thanks for coming on the show today. Our time has come to an end to close this edition of Soldier Today podcast. All of us here at the Association of United States Army want to thank Dr. Johnston for joining us today, for sharing his story and talking with us about the importance of keeping your brain healthy. If you want to learn more, go to Brainspan. And you can order a core assessment kit. AUSA members get a 10% discount, as you heard doctors say, and benefits will proceed other AUSA members and their families. As an Army alumni, I can say from all of us across the country, thank you for your incredible service to our country, and thank you for the work you do to help us all understand how to keep our brains healthy. To all our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Army Matters Podcast on iTunes and everywhere podcasts are found. The Army Matters Podcast series is brought to you by the Association of the United States Army, the U.S. Army's professional association, member-supported, Army-connected. Visit us at AUSA.org for more information or to become a member. Your membership helps AUSA continue to carry out its mission to educate, inform, and connect with the total Army, our industry partners, and our supporters of a strong national defense. For questions or to provide topic recommendations, email us at podcast at AUSA.org. Have a great Army Day. Hua.